Thank you so much, ladies. You can be finding Romans chapter 12 in your Bible this morning. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, the 12th chapter. We'll be there again this morning. As a recently retired man was sitting on his porch in Kentucky, his Social Security check was delivered. And he went to the mailbox and retrieved it and thought to himself, is this all my life is going to be from this time on? Just sitting on the porch waiting for my next Social Security check to arrive. In all honesty, it was a very discouraging thought to him. So he took a legal pad and began to write down all of his gifts all his blessings, all his talents, everything he had going for him. He listed them all, even the small things. For example, he included the fact that he was the only person, the only one in the world, who knew his mother's recipe for fried chicken, in which she used 11 herbs and spices. And he went down to a local restaurant and asked if he could get a job cooking their chicken, and very soon... After getting the job, the chicken became the most popular item on the menu. So he opened his own restaurant in Kentucky. In fact, I've been to that spot and seen it with my own eyes. And the man went on to open a string of restaurants and eventually sold Kentucky Fried Chicken, the franchise, to a national organization for millions of dollars. Now he stayed on and became their public representative and Continued in that role until his death, and of course you still see his picture, or at least a cartoon form of it, today. You see, Colonel Harlan Sanders wasn't content to just grow lazy and content waiting for his monthly check. In fact, he wanted to use his talents, he wanted to use his gifts for something greater. He wasn't content to just settle. Now I know I've made you hungry for Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I apologize. (laughs) If you can hold on a few more minutes, you can go get some, okay? But if we're not careful, we can become just like Him, just kind of sitting around waiting for our next spiritual blessing. Just coming to church on Sunday morning, getting our spiritual meal, and then out on our way we go. Beloved, the Christian life is to be so much more than that. But in all honesty, after we have been in the family of God some some time, we sing about it today. We begin to face some real challenges in life. We want to examine three of those challenges here this morning from Romans chapter 12. Now we've been in Romans 12 for some time and if you've been with us for any of those studies, you know Romans 12 is a very rich chapter and today uh, is no exception to that rule. But we come to some short phrases that appear in the book. And they come kind of very rapid fire like, and we want to look at some of those phrases today, beginning at verse 11. And you'll notice these phrases one after another. And look at verse 11 of Romans 12. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. And we could, I suppose, take each one of those phrases and probably build a message around it and and spend a Sunday on it. But as I've studied these verses, verses I just read to you, verses 11, 12, and 13, each verse is made up of two or three phrases. As I've studied, I found they revolve around a, a theme or a main thought. 
And, and, and each one covers a different area. And, and, and I want to address some of these with you today, these struggles that we face in our Christian lives. And we're going to get some much needed help uh, in regards to some things that hinder us in our relationship with the Lord and our fellowship with Him and in our fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ and in our service to the Lord. So we don't become content and just settle. So let's just jump in. I think it will all be clear once we get going here. Look at verse 11 again. It says, verse 11, Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. In verse 11, we get some help in dealing with laziness. With laziness. Look at it again. Not lagging in diligence. The old King James has it this way. Not slothful in business. And that word where it says lagging there has the idea of laziness, being lazy. The New Living Translation captures it. It translates it, 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 it this way, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Now, beloved, laziness is a bad thing in many realms. And we could address those we will not. Because here we're focusing mainly on the service of the Lord. Not lagging in diligence, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, of course, everything a believer does, whether they're in church, whether they're on the job, whether they're in school, whatever they're doing, everything a believer does should be as to the Lord. In fact, Colossians 3.23 says, And whatever you do... Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. The flip side means then, if you can't do it as heartily to the Lord, you probably shouldn't be doing it. But, but here the focus is on our spiritual service, mainly I believe, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you see the word there, serving the Lord, in the Greek it's the idea of a slave. As you slave away for the Lord. And so we're not to be lazy in serving Jesus. In fact, it says what? We're to be fervent in spirit. And that word fervent is a very interesting one. It has the idea in the Greek of the idea of water boiling. We're to be boiling in our service. Now, what in the world does that mean? We think of boiling, we think of anger, don't we? Boy, he's boiling over. That's not the idea at all. John MacArthur says the idea is not being overheated to the point of boiling over, out of control, but instead to be like a steam engine. You know how a steam engine works, right? You heat up that water and that water gets boiling and you have power to do what you need to do. That's the idea here. That we are boiling over, not boiling over, but we have enough steam, enough, enough energy, enthusiasm to do the work that God has called us to do. And it's the exact opposite of laziness. Apollos in the Bible is a picture of this. Acts 18.25 says, This man has been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of Job. Listen, John. Now listen, the Lord wants such service from His people. He deserves such service. An enthusiastic service. He doesn't want some half-hearted attempt. He wants enthusiastic service. In fact, it's interesting, we talked about the idea of boiling and water. Listen to what the Lord says to the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. He says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. 
So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, beloved, those are strong words no matter how you slice and dice them. But the Lord Jesus Christ says to the church of Laodicea, because you're not hot, because you're not cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now think about our service for a moment. How do we go about our service for the Lord Jesus? How do we keep from growing lazy in service, getting slothful in business and lagging in diligence? How do we go from that to being fervent in spirit? I mean, because in all honesty, once you've taught the same Sunday school class for a hundred times, once you've sung in the choir for 20 years, once you've taken up so many offerings you've lost count, once you've served on that same committee year after year after year, after you've shaken a thousand hands and ten thousand hands and a hundred thousand hands, after you've offered uh, hundreds of prayers, uh, after you've heard that same prayer request from that same person year after year after year, it's hard not just to kind of say... And get slothful in business. And get lagging in diligence. Why not get a little bit lazy? Why not cut a few corners? Why not take a few shortcuts? Why not prepare as you ought to prepare? I mean, you can do this stuff with your eyes closed. Much of it, right? It can grow ho-hum. It can grow dull. It can get to the point where we're just going through the motions in our service to the Lord. And before long, you get lazy. You kind of get like the old farmer who was sitting on the porch of his house. And a stranger comes up and says, well, how are things going? And the old farmer said, tolerable. Said two weeks ago, a tornado came along and knocked down all the trees I had to chop down for this winter's firewood. And then last week, lightning struck the brush I planned on burning to clear the fields for planting. The stranger said, wow, that's remarkable. What are you doing now? And the farmer said, waiting for an earthquake to come along and shake the taters out of the ground. (laughs) That describes a lot of Christians in church. Did you know that? They're waiting around, sitting, waiting for the Lord to work while they don't. Hmm. How do we overcome this laziness? How do you keep fervent and boiling and enthusiastic in your service of the Lord? Well, I think the answer, one of the answers is right here in the verse, verse 11. Where the very last part of verse 11, the last three words say this, serving the Lord. How do you stay enthusiastic? Here's how you do it. You remember who it is that you're serving. You remember who it is that you're serving. Hey friend, all that we're doing... You know who we're doing it for? We're doing it to Jesus. For Jesus. We're doing it for Jesus. We do it because we love Him. We do it out of thankfulness. You see, service takes on a whole new light when your service is motivated by love. My mother enjoys cooking and feeding people. In fact, you probably couldn't tell by looking at me, but she does. And she enjoys cooking and feeding people. In fact, I called her last night. And she was cooking for their church at homecoming and, and friend day and things today. And they were going to, she was cooking. And when we go visit, she will, on the phone, ask us, what do you want me to cook? And I've told you about her potato salad, the best in the world. And after we got married, we got a recipe to make potato salad the very first time. 
And we started on that recipe, and I had no idea how much work it was to make potato salad. All the peeling and boiling and mashing and stirring and all. And by the way, after we made it the first time, I loved it even more when she made it. <laughs> but you know, she said, what do you want me to fix? So I say, well, potato salad or, or banana pudding or lemon pie. Boy, y'all are getting hungry, aren't you? But you know what? She's never once complained and said, listen, that's too much work. Why? Because she does it out of a heart of love. And she'll ask Danielle, what would you like me to cook for you? And, and what do the boys want? And what do you want? What, what does my brother want? And she just, just this huge meal. And she does it complete because she does it out of love. When, when you realize that all that you do is for Jesus ultimately, that that Sunday school class full of rowdy kids can take on a whole new look. That that stack of bulletins you've got to, to print and fold and stuff can take on a whole new life. Uh, that, that turn in the nursery turns into more than just dirty diapers and, and crying babies and runny noses. It turns into a labor of love for the Lord and His people. The idea of going out with a friend day card and inviting someone to church is not just an obligation, not just so somebody will come, but because you love the Lord and you love that person, you seek to reach them with His love. And the Bible says that we're not to be lagging in diligence. Instead, we're to be fervent in spirit, boiling with enthusiasm, serving the Lord. That's the kind of service Jesus wants. He didn't say the most talented. He didn't even say the most gifted. He didn't say perfect. He says, I want you to serve me. Faithfully serve me. And I want you to serve me fervently. So I just want to say to all of us, because really all of us can deal with this, not to get lazy here for the Lord, but give careful attention to God's business and how we do His business and how we do His job. So there's a second thing here, verse 12. We learn some, get some help on dealing with laziness. But look at verse 12. We get some help in a very needy area, I think. And we get some help in dealing with discouragement. Look at verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Now notice the middle of that verse where it says patient in tribulation. Patient, of course, here means the idea that you refuse to quit. You refuse to stop. You're going to continue on. You're going to be patient in the tribulation. The tribulation has the sense, I want you to hear this, an oppressive state of physical, mental, social, or economic adversity. Make it plain as I can. Problems. Trouble. To refuse to quit. To refuse to stop in the face of all sorts of problems. You see, beloved, discouragement is real. And Christians are not immune. By the way, just so you know, preachers are not immune. I was reading something Adrian Rogers uh, had said years ago. I was reading it the other week. He talked about Alka-Seltzer Baptists. You know what an Alka-Seltzer Baptist is? That's the type of person that fizzes a little after being placed in water and then disappears. An Alka-Seltzer Baptist. And, and we've had several here. They start out good. And they fizz. And then guess what? They disappear. 
How do we not grow discouraged? How do we keep on keeping on for the Lord? Well, there's two things mentioned here that will help us in that. Number one, we're to rejoice in hope. Look at verse 12. Rejoicing in hope. Now, when you talk about a Bible hope, it's not the kind of hope like, I hope it doesn't rain today. Or I hope the Panthers win. Or or, I hope this doesn't... That's not a Bible hope. The Bible hope talked about here is not a hope so, it's a no so. Boyce says this, in the Bible, hope always has to do with what God has promised, but that we have not seen or received yet. In particular, it refers to that blessed hope, which is the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to the fact that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And so one of the ways that we overcome discouragement, and all of us are liable to get discouraged at one time or another, I mean, in the Lord's work, in serving Him even, is to rejoice and remember that blessed hope. Number one, of course, we've already talked about we're serving Jesus, but Jesus is what? He's coming again. And we shall see Him face to face. And we'll be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And we know that our labor here is not in vain in the Lord. And we rejoice in that. But there's a second thing. He says in verse 12 also that we're to continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. I read something by a pastor. He was actually a director of missions. His name is Joe McKeever. He's actually a Christian cartoonist. You may have seen some of his cartoons in some of the Baptist publications. But I remember something I read one time. He's talking about ministry. He said this, Pastor, you will pray or you will quit. And he's right. You will pray or you will quit. I tried to find that article, but I couldn't find that one. But I found another one that he'd written about Luke 18.1. Luke 18.1 talks about Jesus' words. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And I like what Joe said. He said, pray or quit. Pray or grow discouraged and drop by the wayside. Pray or weaken and wither away. He says, if I were the devil, I would do anything within my power to stop God's people from praying. If I were the devil, I'd be patting myself on the back about now, since it would appear that very few are praying. Well, praying in any sort of meaningful, situation-altering way, anyway. He said, no one believed in prayer the way the Lord Jesus did. Perhaps no subject so permeates the four Gospels like prayer. Jesus exhibited it, taught it, reminded His disciples of it, and told stories of people who did it well. Pray or else, disciple of Jesus. And the Lord says the same to us today, doesn't it? Writing through His servant Paul to the Roman believers... The Holy Spirit inspired these words, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. You see, when you get discouraged, turn to the Lord in prayer. When you get down, turn to the Lord in prayer. When those burdens flood in, turn to the Lord in prayer. Be in prayer before that time. Pray after that time. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Pray without ceasing. Oh, how we need that today. Let's be honest about it. We do everything but pray. We do. We plan. We do programs. Not against any of that. But prayer is the priority. When the work of the Lord was prospering in the early church, 
And there the, the multitudes were multiplying and there arose an issue in the body over the widows not being served. Or there was an argument. There was a complaint in the church. Can you imagine that going on? Somebody in the church complaining. And they come to the leaders, the apostles, and they say, we will not leave the Word of God in prayer Instead, search out seven men full of the Holy Spirit to go and do that work. We'll give ourselves to prayer. And they mention prayer first before preaching. We'll give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Maybe you're discouraged today. Have you taken it to the Lord in prayer? Have you gotten before Him? Have you thought about that blessed hope? That this is not all there is. This is not the end. But Jesus is coming again. He could come this morning. And those who are alive and remain will be called up to be forever with them in the Lord. And we shall see Him and be like He is. Beloved, you might be discouraged, but that should encourage you if you know Jesus. Now, if you don't know Jesus, that ought to scare you to death. The thought that He may come and you be left behind. The thought that you may die this moment and you be lost forever in a horrible place called hell. But you don't have to be. Why? Because God loved you so much He gave His Son to die in your place. To shed His precious blood. To die and be buried. But then the third day rise again victorious. And if you'll turn from your sin. And place your faith in Jesus Christ. He will save you. He will forgive you. He'll give you a home in heaven. He'll give you forgiveness of sin. You've never received the Lord Jesus. I invite you to come today. And receive Him. We get some much needed help here in Romans 12. Don't we? We get help dealing with our tendency to be lazy. We get help in regards to our uh, tendency to grow discouraged. But there's a third thing here. We've got to hurry. Verse 13. The Bible says, distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. We get some much needed help dealing with selfishness. Selfishness. I think it, all of us, if we were honest, would have to admit that we have a desire to be selfish at times. You don't believe me, I'll come over to your house and sit in your recliner, men. I'll come stand around your kitchen, ladies, while you're cooking for a while. and get the... yeah, We all have a tendency to get selfish, don't we? And get self-centered. And so the Lord says to us here in His Word, distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. We're reminded here that we're to be a people who meet the needs of others, especially within the household of God. Notice it says distributing to the needs of the saints. We discussed this some in the sanctuary Sunday school class this morning. We've gotten away from this in the church. Why? Because we look to the government to do everything. But we're to look to meet the needs of those in the body of Christ to encourage them, to help them, to meet the needs of the saints. And then he goes on to say what? He says, given to hospitality. That word given literally means has the idea to pursue it. In other words, you don't just sit around saying, well, if somebody comes my way, I will rise up and help. It's the idea that I go looking for opportunities to serve. And so I look around the body of Christ and I look for opportunities to serve. And so I look and I see there's a need present in someone's life. And the Lord wants me to be involved in helping to meet that need as He guides me and directs me. And so proactively looking. I love this from the Life Application Commentary. Would you listen? 
It says Christian hospitality differs from social entertaining. Now listen, very careful. Get those two things in your mind. Christian hospitality, social entertaining. It says entertaining focuses on the host. The home must be spotless. The food must be well prepared and abundant. The host must appear relaxed and good natured. Hospitality in contrast, listen, focuses on the guests. Their needs, whether for a place to stay, nourishing food, a listening ear or acceptance, are the primary concern. Hospitality can happen in a messy home. It can happen around a dinner table where the main dish is canned soup. It can even happen while the host and the guests are doing chores together. Believers should not hesitate to offer hospitality just because they're too tired, too busy, or not wealthy enough to entertain. The word practice is instructive for it reminds us that hospitality improves with practice. We're to practice hospitality. And I thought, we need that word. Because we think about social entertaining instead of Christian hospitality. We think about ourselves and, and, and what we have and how we're going to appear and, and what we're going to present rather than upon the person that we're seeking to minister to. You see, Christian hospitality deals with them and their needs, not me and my needs. Talk about practical instruction in Christian living. Here it is, Romans 12. We've gotten some help this morning in dealing with our laziness. We've gotten some help this morning in dealing with our discouragement. We've gotten some help this morning in dealing with our selfishness. Now, I hope you've heard it. Now, the question is, will we heed it? We're to be more than just a hearer of the Word. We're to be a doer of the Word. I read again, not lagging in diligence, Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Literally pursuing hospitality. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow in Your presence today and Your Word has met us where we are. It has challenged us, Father. If we're honest, we deal with these areas of our life, laziness and selfishness and discouragement. I don't know where everybody is this morning. Someone may be dealing with these very issues in their own life. I pray your Holy Spirit to work and move in their life even now. And Father, I pray that if anyone here does not know the Lord Jesus as their Savior, I pray this will be the hour, this will be the day where they place their faith in Him alone. I pray that you'll bless this invitation time. Use it for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Those that are going to be baptized, you could be slipping out behind me and be preparing for that. Those who are staying, I want to challenge you today as we have our invitation to respond to the Spirit's working in your life. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I would invite you today to come and meet Him. How do I do that, preacher? Well, just come and join us at the front and meet me here. You say, what will you do? I'll take you by the hand and place you with someone who loves you and loves Jesus. 
They'll take a Bible and lead you to the cross. Just that simple. That's how all these folks come to know the Lord. Someone told them about the Lord Jesus and they turn from their sin and place their faith in Him. You can do that today. Today's message has primarily been to those of us who know Him. And maybe God has spoken to your heart. Would you come and pray today? 439 is we're going to have baptism. I thought we should sing, Oh, happy day that fixed my choice on my Savior and my God. And as we stand and sing, you come. And you come and you deal with the Lord today. Let's stand and sing 439. Oh, happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. You come today.